Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and uh, we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. This is that winter time of year where everybody is uh, busy running around getting ready to celebrate Christmas, or maybe they're just bombing people in Aleppo, or I don't know what they're doing this year, but everybody's got uh, uh, busy here at this winter solstice time when the uh, weather is cold and... uh, we're about to enter a new year, at least with some calendars. And uh, I had said last year that this would be in a notable year, uh, this uh, 2016. And uh, somebody asked the other day, uh, was it a notable year? Or I said it would, it would be, uh, you know, events that were uh, somewhat revealing and uh, there have been a lot of events this year. And so I thought about uh, going over some of the things that we see and, and finding out what it really all means. You know, we, we really should see the world through spiritual eyes. Because everything that exists in the physical world is the result of spirit. There's God's spirit, and then there are spirits that is less than God. Now, what is God? God is this creator, this giver of life, this this ever-increasing, ever-existing reality. I was doing some study on Hebrew and looking at the different words, and and the word Israel is actually composed of another word, uh, and each of the letters of that word Israel has a meaning when you put the, the... you know, some of them together and then you add some more because Israel is, I think it's about five letters long. Most Hebrew words are three letters long. So you know that they have combined ideas to create this word Israel. And of course, Israel is a place where God prevails and God is something that is, you can't just study about God and know about God. Whatever God is. I mean, people will say, you know, they have names for Yahweh, Allah, uh, Krishna. They have all these different names for God to identify them. And then, of course, they define those names and they create an image of God in their minds. And, of course, we're not to have graven images. And, of course, some people say, well, that's when you create an image with your hands and you make this statue or something like that. But... The graven image of God is any image of God that is the result of your creating that image. Whether you do it mentally or physically or whatever, it doesn't really matter. God is whatever God is. God is this thing that causes creation to come about. Uh, Over and over again, we're seeing more and more that scientists are just finally being backed into a corner that there must be some sort of intelligent design. The complexity of creation simply cannot be the result of random events. Something is causing things to exist in the complex way in which they exist, for life to spring up 
especially on this planet, with such abundance. Something has caused this to come about. And where is that something? Of course, scientists now, with their realization that there may be multiple dimensions, their string theory and their mem theory, that they believe that there are multiple parallel dimensions out there. There could be people in those dimensions or, you know, creatures, living things in those dimensions that we're completely unaware of because they're in another dimension. And they're actually spending millions and millions of dollars to breach the the barriers between this dimension and other dimensions. Well, there's that's what the Bible says is there's other dimensions. They call one heaven, another one hell, and another one where we're at. And uh and of course Jesus says in my father's house there are many mansions. Is he talking many dimensions? Well, you know, I, I could speculate. You could speculate, but he meant something by that. And I, I believe that he may mean that there are many different places, whether they're dimensional or interdimensional or whatever, uh, is somewhat irrelevant just to assume that there are these other realms. And so, God, this whatever you want to call him, Yahweh, God, whatever, is this divine power, this spiritual power that causes creation to come into being. If you have God in your heart, then you will be creative as well. You will cause a certain type of world around you to come into being. That will be the fruit of what is in you. The fruit of the Spirit that dwelleth in you will create a certain kind of world. A certain kind of environment. And Israel is simply the place where God prevails. If God prevails in your heart, then Israel will begin to prevail around you. You will change the environment around you. This will be the fruit of the Spirit that dwelleth in you. So, with that in mind, we can take some examination of notable events. And, of course, I just Googled, you know, 2016 in review and tried to find somebody who'd have something other than a pictorial view and uh, maybe a list of events. And uh, I copied them and, and deleted a lot of them. Uh, this morning and uh, thought I would take a look at some of them. Uh, You know, uh, January 26th, after occupying a federal wildlife refuge headquarters in Oregon, which is actually just right over the hill from us, at Mulher Wildlife Refuge, 26 days to uh, denounce uh, federal land politics, according to this report, uh, protester Amon Bundy and several fellow occupiers are uh, pulled over on uh, U.S. Highway 395 and Bundy is arrested and Lavoie Finnicum is killed. Through that process, from January 26th on, they, they eventually went to trial and were tried and they were acquitted of all charges. That is a pretty notable event. <laughs> Because if you were to watch the media and you didn't know people like I personally know the sheriff of that town. I know people that uh, are in this ranching community, people who visited there. I've also done some homework on my own, researching cases. He wasn't just 
denouncing the federal land policies, although that's somewhat true. Uh, he was actually trying to occupy the property in adverse possession because the BLM had left there and were not going to be going there and meeting anymore. They closed it down. Uh, they, they were probably going to return again at some time, but at, at that particular time, they had left the, the building and they got in without breaking into the building. And they occupied the building and started managing the refuge for the people. And they were trying to obtain adverse possession. They were also trying to bring attention to some of the federal land policies that are being implemented through the BLM. Now, the BLM is the Bureau of Land Management. It's not Blacks Lives Matter. That's another group. (laughs) But uh, Bureau of Land Management, which everybody out here in this part of Oregon very familiar with because they occupy a great deal of the land. They're they're a Bureau of Land Management. They don't really own the land. And there is a question as to whether or not they should be allowed to do some of the things that they're doing. I think Ammon Bundy has a really good case and we talk about it on our website. You can go study it. That's not what the program is about. I think that he also is an error in a few places. I think he is a genuinely sincere, peaceful individual who is seen in what he sees as an injustice and is trying to do something about it, which in itself is a virtuous act. And because of that virtuous act of trying to bring attention to injustices that are taking place all over America, especially out here in the West, to hard-working people who are trying to do the right thing by their family and their neighbors, he was arrested and put into jail and demonized in the press. Uh, and, you know, they talk about, you know, I actually heard people saying, you know, if a black man had done this, they would have shot him. Well, actually, Holder, who had been our attorney general, did exactly that back when I was pretty young fellow, and he was a pretty young fellow. He occupied, claiming to have weapons, a uh, ROTC headquarters on a college campus demanding that it be turned into a Malcolm X um, lounge for black people. And they occupied it. And they weren't going to leave and they said they had guns. He wasn't shot. (laughs) He was was protesting. As a matter of fact, nothing happened. He wasn't arrested and put into jail. (laughs) Uh, LaVoy Finnegan that that whole issue, that something else went on there than we're being told. I have inside information as to that fact, but exactly what went on is very difficult to to tell because the biggest news of 2016 isn't in the news. <laughs> it's behind the scenes. It's what you're not going to hear about, and that in itself is not really that new, but it is the news. The news is what you don't hear. Because people, well, that that's another whole uh, episode of things that have been going on in the last uh, years is that uh, false news, uh, non-news, twisted news, distorted news is the name of the game these days. The whole Aleppo issue. And I've, I've shared a number of reports that have come from people on the ground in Aleppo. People who go there. People who speak Arabic. 
uh, people who are very reasonable, rational people uh, who go there and say that what you're hearing in the news and what you're being told by the government is just flatly not true. So who do you believe? Do you believe the government or do you believe these other people who risk their lives to find out what's going on aren't dependent upon ambiguous or uh, non-supported reports. They actually go there on the ground and collect evidence and testimony directly from the people on the ground. And then they share that evidence and then some CIA operative says, why do you discount the obvious truth uh, from our sources on the ground? And, And the lady says, you don't have any sources. Now, let's take a look at what you claim are sources. And then she goes through and she just lambastes the guy. The fact is, is there are some good people out there trying to get you information. I, I remember when Lavoy was showing how the BLM was taking care of Indian artifacts. And he was kind of disgusted with it. And he was showing on a little video. And we had local Indian tribes saying, why is that white man even touching our sacred objects? Well, Lavoy isn't a white man. Lavoy is a member of several tribes or was until he was shot. He is an Indian, and uh, there's probably nobody who would have more respect for those Indian artifacts. But the Indians who were coming out and saying that, and at least getting the press, there were probably Indians who were not saying that. I know a number of Indians, uh, you know, chief medicine man on on one of our local reservations. They might, they they probably weren't saying that. But the press goes to the guys who are saying things like that because. The, the fix was in. I've talked to the press, you know, the, you know, press people from Oregonian and everything else. People who work for the paper come to me quietly and say what you, the story you're giving them will never be printed because it's a controlled media. This is people actually work for the paper tell you that the truth is not going to get printed in this paper because what you, the truth that you're saying is too controversial. They don't want to put it in. They have an agenda. They have they have things they don't tell you. And uh, and they don't tell the public. And the media is compromised. And uh, that's just the way it is. Denzel Washington gave an interesting speech about the media, which didn't hardly get in the media, but it got on YouTube. <laughs> and other people as well. And why am I mentioning these things? People look at that whole Bundy trial and so many people thought he was guilty. There are people actually afraid now to go to work supposedly because now all these crazy people go out there and they'll just stop us because they weren't properly punished. They weren't guilty. A jury of their peers looked at the evidence that you have not looked at yet. You have not been shown through the media and said they are not guilty. And they said they were not guilty because they saw that this was a trumped up uh, false accusations to keep you from the knowledge that you don't own your country anymore. You, you, it, you are sold out. You are surety for debt. You are in bondage. It is only a matter of time and your entire country will be absolutely devastated, occupied, uh, in in uh, with starvation and death and mayhem everywhere. Is that going to happen next year? I hope not. But 
that is why the press, they don't, they're just doing it because they want to keep their jobs. But the press is not telling you the truth. And fortunately, the, there's so much corruption that cor- the, the corruption itself has become a bureaucracy of corruption. It's not a matter of some corrupt people in bureaucracy. It's a bureaucracy of corruption. They don't always know they're corrupt. They believe they're doing good. You know, a lot of your environmentalists believe they're doing good, but they're actually playing into the hands of wealthy entrepreneurs who are taking advantage and robbing this country and every other country they can blind. And you can't see it. You've already been brainwashed. You've already been altered. And the media is just continuing that delusion. And and partly because the media is deluded. The people in the media, they think they're doing good. So how can you awaken those people? They're dead people. The, the zombie apocalypse is upon you. They they are dead to the truth. They're walking around. They're burying their family. They're, there's a lot of that. There's been a lot of shootings and murders, stabbings, people... You know, crashing into other people this year and killing people and, and all that stuff. And you will mourn their loss and, but you're the dead, burying the dead. Christ wanted you to be alive again to eat of the tree of life. And then you would know what is true, what is right. You would just know it. You would just sense it. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. So what's going on and what happened that they do tell you about in the news that will leave you little clues, little breadcrumbs as to what is actually taking place in the year 2016. Uh, what was it? Archimedes who said, I could move the world if I had a lever long enough and a place to put it. <laughs> you know, where it was on a fulcrum where he could stand on one end of the lever and actually move the whole earth if he had a lever long enough and strong enough his weight could overcome the weight of the earth itself but he needs that fulcrum that fulcrum is that thing that it teeters on the lever teeters on you know like a teeter totter and the reason I'm mentioning that is because that's the metaphor the allegory that I'm going to use to show you what happened. Because this year, there was a tipping of the teeter-totter, a swinging of the pendulum of fate. And it went past a point, and now we're on the other side. You know, where you you get on a teeter-totter, you walk a little bit this way on the teeter-totter, and it goes down the other way. And that's what I see taking place in the world today. You know, we started off way back in February... With uh, Vermont Senator uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, who's actually one of the first Jewish politicians to win uh, a presidential nomination, which is historical in itself. Nothing against Jews, but it is interesting because way back when that just would not have happened. I mean, it was amazing when somebody allowed where society thought it was acceptable to have a Catholic running for presidency because that was a, that was feared for generations that a catholic in the presidency would be a really bad thing and of course JFK was a catholic you know i mean there was 
crazy ideas that somehow the Pope would now be running the United States through JFK. And the Pope does have an amazing influence within political matters. He's the father of the European Union. And interesting enough, we have a Pope now who is a total socialist. The only reason I mention that is because what we're going to be looking for is a shift in the mind. Remember, repentance is a changing of the mind. And I always say all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to the kingdom of God. It's all about direction. And repentance is about that direction. The nomination of Senator Bernie Sanders is clearly a particular direction. It's a socialist direction. Because he he's an extreme socialist. I mean, he's... He, when you, you see him talk and you see him say things and you hear him say things, to me, the guy is a bit crazy. And the idea that he got nominated for presidency is, to me, astounding. It, it takes a certain kind of person to look and observe Bernie Sanders and think that he, he is a candidate for commander-in-chief of the United States. Now, I, I don't really care. You know, I'm not into advocating one politician over another because I see that the fate of the nation, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the show, is in the hands of the people. It's not in the hands of the president. It's in the hands of the people. The problem is the spirit that dwelleth in the people. So when we see people like Bernie Sanders getting nominated, that's evidence of the spirit that dwelleth in the people. Because a certain, you know, all spirits have elements of God in them. Everybody has elements of God in them. But they don't have all of God in them. They don't have, they're, they're, because they're in conflict with some of the character of God. You know, God is not selfish. God is love. Well, because they're selfish, they don't have God's love in them. They have some kind of love. I mean, they might love one another. Thieves and robbers do that. But they don't have God's love in them. And so there's something missing in them. And because there's something missing in them, when they see the world, there will be things they do not see. They will see the world through this distorted view, these blinders, which will cause them to accept that which is unacceptable. That which is an abomination, they will accept. That which is wrong and evil and destructive, they will accept. And they will not see otherwise. And we're going to talk about that for your safety when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. When you deny the truth about something, 
you create a, like a spot on your eyes so that now you will not see things as much as you would have seen before. Whenever you deny the truth, you shut out the light of truth. And we do this all the time. One of the ways we do this is trauma. If somebody hurts us. Somebody upsets us. Somebody is cruel to us, unjust to us. Or we, even worse, we are unjust to somebody else. We are angry. We are judgmental. We are accusatory in, in a harmful sort of way. We're angry at them. That's trauma. And that trauma hurts when we look at it. Because, you know, we've done bad. You know, we groan at the reality of what we have done. And so we don't want to look at what we've done. And we turn a blind eye to it. We refuse to see. This is from the garden, you know. Adam and Eve, they knew they did wrong. And they didn't want to look at it. They didn't want to admit it. Cain knew he did wrong. Didn't want to look at it. Didn't want to admit it. Denied it. Uh, the kids in the back seat who are fighting. You you say, what's going on back there? And so he started. They don't say what they did. You ask him, you quiz them, and it's what they don't tell you that tells you the most about what went on back there. <laughs> uh, fortunately, if you have three kids, you've got a cheese eater back there who's going to think on the other two, probably. But the reality is our denial affects our ability to see the truth. That's what makes us zombies, is that we do not face the truth. And one of the ways in which you face the truth is you're willing to forgive. You're willing to see your own faults. You're willing to, as Patrick Henry said, know the whole truth, even the truth about ourselves, and provide for it. I, I hear every day people complaining about the government, complaining about this, complaining about the economy. But I don't hear them saying, what part have I played in this? What part of my parents played in this? What can I do to turn things around in my own life? You know, what, what, what has brought us to this point is we don't care about our neighbor as much as we care about ourselves. That's, that's the long and short of it. And that is not the Spirit of God. If, if you don't care about others as much as you care about yourself, God does not dwell in you. You are not saved. And uh, no matter what your preacher tells you about accepting Jesus Christ and you're saved, forget it. Because Jesus said, if you do not forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. Period. That's it. So all these guys are saying that Jesus died and now you're forgiven. No, he died that you might be forgiven. He sacrificed himself that you might be forgiven. But if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. Even Paul tells you that. It's not about works. It's about way. It's the way of God. The way of Christ. So... You know, one of the things that, you know, we're supposedly going to have a transparent administration under the Obama. That's one of the things that they claimed. And, of course, it wasn't transparent. But he, the other, you know, I guess he said it more than once, had a scandal-free administration. It wasn't all that scandal-free. I mean, you know, Fast and Furious and, 
you know, Benghazi, uh, all these different things. There were all kinds of scandals, all kinds of scandals. But one of the things is, is a lot of things that used to be called a scandal, they're not a scandal anymore. They're okay. And, and you, you see evidence of that in a lot of the things that were going on in, during the last eight years. And, and I don't really care whether it's Obama administration or anybody else's. I'm not picking on the guy. I'm trying to show you a spirit of acceptance. And that acceptance is coming from the fact that you don't see the whole truth. So when you look at something, you think, oh, that's good. That's clean. I can eat that. I can ex- receive that. But you're not seeing the poison that is in what is offered. I mean, it's like somebody says, oh, eat this fruit. It's good. But isn't this a fruit we're not supposed to eat? Oh, but it looks good. It's pleasing to the eye. Well, it's pleasing to the eye because there's something about truth that you haven't accepted. And you haven't accepted it because of something else. You're not seeing through the eyes of Christ. Now, you know, you know we, there are lots of other stories, like I say, people being killed and people being murdering other people and people being arrested. A lot of police killings and killing of police. You know, a lot of people going around trying to... The, a huge thing that I see, and I, I didn't see any news stories that added to this, is the fact that now you have, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter concept is a racist statement. I see huge amounts of effort to create divisions in society. There's a huge effort that white men are all bad and Indians were all victims. That's this, you're hearing this opposing view where everybody's talking about stop this victimhood. Blacks are, sure there are white people that are racist. I, I've run into more black people that are racist than I've run into white people that are racist. But I'm sure almost everybody has some prejudice in them. But generally speaking, blacks have it better in America than almost any other country. They can achieve more than almost any other country. I mean, you got a black president. It isn't because only black people voted for him. Uh, there, there are all kinds of wealthy black men in America today. They're doing real well. And many of them came up from poor backgrounds. I mean, you had vice president, uh, you had presidential candidates, uh, also running that were black. Again, that came up from nothing and are, are, are brilliant, uh, great guys. So the idea that somehow blacks are kept down by whites is, is nonsense. What keeps blacks down more than anything else, and you can go read what blacks have to say about it, successful blacks have to say about it. Uh, Booker T. Washington has to say about it. What keeps you down is the fact that you think you're a victim. You, the fact is, is everybody's, all whites are not successful, all blacks are not successful, all Indians are not successful. I, I posted a story a few months ago about the fact that there was an Indian tribe that was not federally recognized as an Indian tribe. It definitely was a tribe. And they are the, some of the most successful Indians and certainly as a tribe, one of the most successful tribes in the United States because they were not recognized as a tribe and they only had, if they were going to make it, they were going to have to make it on their own. And they own banks and businesses and uh, stores and, 
they're extremely successful. They're, they're, and they get no extra government handouts. And they are not subject to tribal elders. They, they went out in this semi-capitalist state and became successful and have great families and a great community because nobody was giving them a handout. And now there are a few Indians saying, well, we're not succeeding and it's because we're Indians and because the federal government is not. And, you know, I mean, this whole idea of apologizing to Indians uh, is ridiculous. I didn't I didn't kill any Indians. Uh, I don't believe any of my ancestors ever killed any Indians. Uh, I have ancestors that were smuggling slaves in the Underground Railroad. None of my ancestors ever owned any slaves. You know, I ask people, how many people own slaves in America? There's less than 4% of Americans own slaves. And most of those slaves were not on big plantations. That's another thing that most people don't understand. Most of the slaves ate at the table of the people that owned them. They ate right at the table with them. They slept in the same house. They cut the same firewood that was going to warm them. But they were owned. And they were often paid. And many of them bought their own freedom. Or were given their freedom by the, the family that they came up with. I'm not advocating slavery, but we have this distorted view of slavery. Somehow we were... You know, uh, most slaves were uh, enslaved by other black men first in Africa and then sold to Muslims and then slow, put on slave ships and came to America. Most of those slaves ended up not in the United States but in other countries, Brazil and Haiti and and, you know, the sugar plantations down there. And many of the slaves that were brutalized during this were often owned by blacks who owned slaves. And Indians owned slaves. So, we have this distorted view. The fact is, is that anybody who's saying, oh, poor, poor you because you were a slave. If you're in America, you think you're lucky stars somebody brought you here. <laughs> because... It isn't that great in Africa. You have a better chance of success and freedom in America than anywhere else. That goes for Indians and blacks. And it goes still today, even under the socialist, semi-capitalist system that you have before you. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Because people are not perfect. But you have to stop this idea that you're a victim and start taking back your responsibilities. Life is not easy. Get used to it. Quit whining about it. But anyway, what are some of the other things that we see that are telling us about the spiritual teeter-totter of society where we are tipping the scales to tyranny? Well, we saw Obama going to Cuba, first president, U.S. president, uh, to visit uh, in, I think, 88 years. Cuba is is not just a socialist country. It's it's a totalitarian dictatorship. It, Cuba has been absolutely devastated by the political policies of a communist system. You know, it's one of the leaders. Organic farming 
because they can't afford a fertilizers. So by default, they learn to do organic farming. That was a product of the of the oppression of the government. The people had to do something other than purchase fertilizer. That's a good thing. It made them stronger in the area of organic farming. I mean, it's not perfect. Organic farming isn't always giving you a healthier uh, product. Because you, there are still a lot of other practices in farming that may produce a less than healthy product. But because of the difficulty put on them by this communist system, they became strong in certain areas. One of the things that has weakened the United States and the people of the United States and many other countries as well is socialism. You haven't learned to fall and get back up again. And this victim mentality keeps you from getting in that get back up again mentality and strive and seek. You know, I mean, there's a highway to hell but there's a narrow path to heaven. Modern preachers make it sound like there's a highway to heaven. And you don't even have to go on it. It's, 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 there's an escalator there. You just get on it and you, you end up in heaven. You just believe in Jesus and you end up in heaven. That's not what Jesus said. It's not what Paul said. I mean, people don't even know the gospel anymore. I preacher after preacher don't preach the gospel. Don't understand Old Testament or New Testament. And I understand why. But when you explain it to them, the only thing that keeps them from understanding is they don't want to understand because they love their delusion. They love their their blind guides. And they are unwilling are not humble enough to give up their the re- religious idols that they have created, which is the image of God that they have created in their own mind. Uh, other things that we see going on is, you know, this whole gender public bathroom thing, which, you know, if you think about it, those of you who are old enough, you think 30 years ago, if I was reading the news to somebody... 30 years ago, 50 years ago, reading the news today in 2016, saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen, they would just laugh and think I was just ridiculous. They wouldn't believe me. They wouldn't believe me that these would be major stories today. And, uh, you know, like uh, that they're going to put Harriet uh, Tubman on the $20 bill because, you know... And take Jackson off. They, they wouldn't believe that. They said, like, what? What? Uh, we had the Flint, Michigan uh, people having to sue because of the water crisis there. Why, why would they have to sue? Why wouldn't somebody be doing something about that ahead of time? That, that's evidence of a spirit in society. Uh, former Speaker of the House, uh, what was it, Hastert? Dennis Hastert? Uh, he was uh, sentenced to go to jail for, I don't know, it's like 15 months or something uh, because of a hush money case uh, in the fact that he was accused of sexually abusing young boys as a teacher in Illinois. Uh, these are the people that you're electing. 
You know, the Senate confirms Eric uh, Fanning uh, to be Secretary of the Army, making him the first uh, Secretary of that particular branch of the U.S. military who is openly gay. You know, this this wouldn't seem like much of a story. Cincinnati Zoo, you know, kills uh, Harambe, you know, that 17-year-old 400-pound gorilla uh, when a child fell into his enclosure. And people are just all worked up. And there was also that lion that was shot. And people are all worked up about that. And, you know, I'm not saying right or wrong or whatever. I wasn't there. I don't know if that was needed to shoot him or not. But it's the emotional reaction that we see from people. You know, they had gladiatorial games. Now, the original gladiatorial games were reenactments with blunt swords. And guys did get hurt, just like they get hurt in football. But it was reenactment of battle scenes. I mean, they flooded the Colosseum and they actually had boats in there at times. But this was all a show. And, uh, yeah, people would get hurt, but people get hurt in making the movies, even. But what really shut down the games, the entertainment, is in one of them, they accidentally killed an elephant. And people were just all worked up. They were absolutely just stunned uh, as so much that they shut down the game. So we have to do something about this. You killed an elephant. And what does that tell us? There, There is actually, and we see it in, all over the place in society today, where people are more concerned about their little dog Fluffy or, or, or ca- a cat Fluffy or whatever than they are about their neighbor. Uh, the, the number of couples that just have pets and don't have children, who, who put more effort in the taking care of their pets than they do of their children or their grandchildren or their neighbor's children. Why, why such emphasis upon the animal, such love for the animal? Well, that animal's supposedly helpless, etc., etc. No. It's because you don't love your neighbor as yourself. Now, why don't you love your neighbor as yourself? Because you've been traumatized by your neighbor. Your neighbor has done something. And now all neighbors get thrown into that category. Has done something that's upset you, made you angry, has been unfair and unjust, and you did not forgive them. I mean, not really forgive them. In your head you said, oh yeah, I forgive them because I'm supposed to forgive them and everything. But deep down, you haven't forgiven them. You have not really let go. And one of the reasons you haven't really let go deep down is because you don't want to go deep down. Because to go deep down, you have to see yourself. And so you have this transference of affection to animals. And you can see a very nice person on the surface. But deep down, you've got some hidden resentments towards other people. Now you may be, you know, we're we're a mix all the time. Because I'm not saying that you know, you're totally evil, but I want you to put on the full armor of God. That means you have to look, you have to clean out every little corner, nick and corner of your particular holy temple. You can't have any locked rooms in your temple of the Holy Spirit, in your in yourself. You have to look at everything. And that's a process. And God avails you of that process. And every time you look at something and admit and repent of it, see your failing. It's easy to see the other guy's failing, but I mean see your failing. Admit, 
you know, don't say the woman you gave me gave me the apple. Say, I shouldn't have taken the apple from her. It's my fault. I take blame. I was selfish. I was unforgiving. I was weak. You got to look at yourself. This is how you get better. You don't get better by looking at other people and saying, well, he's worse than me. And that's the spirit that's going on. And that's why you saw the reaction you saw when Trump was elected. And they lost. You know, Hillary. The fact that Hillary was even running is just astounding. I mean, you know, the the woman's father took over for Al Capone when he was arrested. (laughs) She had links to the underworld way back from her childhood. She was fired for lying. She was fired for false, uh, uh, you know, giving false information and endangering people. She, She has had a despicable career, yet there she is. Uh, her husband, you know, I mean, I'm no advocate of Trump, but, you know, Trump, you know, talked dirty. He's been divorced a number of times. Uh, uh, he's probably been quite a carouser. I mean, wealth is a very corrupting influence. But Hillary was defending her husband's rapes and abuses of women, which are... Too numerous. I mean, you don't even hear about half of them. You only hear about some of them, and he's still up there, and people applaud him when he comes in the room. It's astounding. How can you do that? I mean, it's clear evidence that he has been one of the most abusive men in public life towards women. One of the most degrading men in public life towards women, and he is adored by women. It's just astounding. And the abuse that's come out of Hillary towards women, it's astounding. But they don't see that. The zombie apocalypse is upon you. But what... Now, we can... I don't want to get into where we're pointing out all the things they can't see. What you need to look at is what you can't see. What What is it that you're not seeing? You know, we see... Uh, this whole transgender thing. We've got Obama announcing uh, the designation of the first national monument to lesbians, gays, bisexuals, transgenders, uh, L, what do they call LGBT <laughs> rights and all this stuff. And Stonewall National Monument uh, will encompass uh, the Christopher Park and uh, I guess it's in New York City. If I told people that that was going to happen 20, 30 years ago, they would go like, oh, you're crazy. That'll never happen. (laughs) It did. But it's evidence of something spiritual happening in us as a people. So we're going to look at the solution when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom.
Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're talking about this last year in view in this teeter-totter tipping of the scales in a spiritual realm. And what happens when you tip those scales or tip that teeter-totter, one side goes down more and can develop actual momentum. And if you've got people moving around on that teeter-totter, they can actually slide over into the lower side. And... It can cause, and of course now we can also use the allegory of a a pendulum swinging. You know, that if it swings real far one way, it may come real far back the other way. You know, you go from, you know, and and it gets to the point where you can't even tell which side you're on. <laughs> uh, that the very thing that one side says that it is against, actually you find in that side doing the same thing. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the, we're for the workers and we're going to save the workers. And then you find out these the, the unions who are going to save the workers are actually doing more harm to the workers than the former employers <laughs> who are employing the workers. That the, your salvation becomes your destroyer. And, you know, and the Bible tells us about that time and time again. I mean, you think you're going to get a king because he's going to save you because somebody has defrauded you here or there, you know, and there's corruption. But the king himself becomes corrupt because power corrupts. And he ends up taking and taking and taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. And you wonder why. Who gave him the power to take? You did. Because you asked him to take from your neighbor. And you sinned. You made a decision to do something that was fundamentally wrong and immoral and unrighteous. Or you made a decision not to do something you should have done all along. You know, and I I love the quote of Polybius. And... uh, I have trouble putting it to memory because I do too much copy and pasting of it. But he says, Polybius lived 200 years before Christ. He was a, a Greek who was working for the Roman government. He was a historian. And he says, the masses continue with an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by way of the rule of force and violence. John the Baptist said, take nothing by force. If if your neighbor doesn't have enough meat or food or bread or clothes or whatever, and you have extra, share with them. He doesn't just mean share with somebody because they're poor or they don't have it. He means share with them in a way that strengthens them, because if you don't strengthen them, if you make them dependent upon your charity, if you weaken them with giving them too much charity, you haven't done them a service. You haven't certainly aren't loving them by weakening them. But anyway, he's saying that they have this appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by way of the force and violence. Of what? The force and violence of government. And he goes on to say, the people having grown accustomed to feed at the expense of others. What do you got? 40, 50 million people on food stamps? on Going around with EBT cards? They're eating at the expense of others. And it's not at the expense of government, it's at the expense of their neighbor. And to depend for their livelihood on the property of others, BLM, uh, any government worker, 
is depending upon their livelihood. Anybody receiving Social Security, Welfare, WIC, Medicare, Medicaid, they're depending on the, on the property of others so that they can have these free things. They, and he says, when they do this, they institute the rule of violence, force. And now, uniting their forces, massacre, banish, and plunder. And that's what we see happening. Until they themselves, they degenerate again into perfect savages and find once more a master and a monarch. So if your leader is going to make the nation great again, he has to do away with welfare. Government welfare. You still have welfare. You know, that's what Constantine did. You know, when they they talk about Constantine legalizing the church. Well, what was the conflict between the church and Rome? The church was private religion. Rome had public religion. Well, what's religion? It's the fulfillment of your duty to your fellow man and to God. And of course, God says your duty to your fellow man is to love your fellow man as yourself. And what do you mean by love? You know, take care of. I mean, every time Jesus said love, when Paul said the exact same word almost, uh, almost every time, they translated it charity when Paul said it and love when Jesus said it. So, the fulfillment of your duty to your fellow man is taking care of your fellow man when he needs help. You know, he's drowning, you you, you save him. If, if he's hanging on a cliff, you throw him a rope. Uh, you know, uh, if he if he's starving to death, you feed him. But you also teach him how to produce food for himself. You don't want to weaken them. You know, don't feed the bears. <laughs> it makes them weak. But that's religion. Social Security is a religious program. Welfare is a religious program. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, they're religious programs. That's you fulfilling your duty to your fellow man to take care of him in his time of need. But they're public religion. Christianity is private religion. You're not forced to contribute to, uh, to your church. That's a free will offering. In ancient Israel... It was free will offerings. It wasn't until Saul where he forced an offering. And when he did, he was said that he was doing something foolish because he would now, his kingdom would be destroyed. He would lose his kingdom because he forced an offering. You don't know that because your preachers don't tell you. Because your preachers live by force and violence. Because they're part of those same programs of public religion. They're, what they call religion now is just to get you to come to their church and listen to their music and listen to their long sermons and they tickle your ears and tell you how you're saved and you don't have to do anything and Jesus has done it all and you can just come here and feel good about being saved and you're going to go to heaven when you die and the kingdom's not for the living, it's only for you after you die and that uh, Jesus didn't preach a kingdom he just preached you to be good Roman citizens. If if the modern gospel was what the early church was teaching, the Christians wouldn't have been persecuted because they would have been model citizens. But they were persecuted because they wouldn't sign up for public religion. They wouldn't go get a social security card. You know, they wouldn't go get an EBT card. They took care of one another. 
through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. If they didn't have enough clothes, if they didn't have shelter, if they didn't have enough food, they helped each other out. They also knew when if you don't work, you don't eat. They didn't support laziness. They took care of one another. You don't know that. You don't even see that. When I tell you that, most of you don't even get it. Or, you know, maybe those listening now get it. But out there in the world, if I was telling it to 300 million Americans, they most of them would not get it. They would say, oh, I'm preaching a false gospel. But that's what Jesus said. I'm just telling you what he said. If you're not a doer of the word, then you don't know my father. And a doer of the word is to become the entire social welfare of Christians. They don't go to the fathers of the earth. They don't go to men who call themselves benefactors but are exercising authority by taking away from your neighbors so that you can have free stuff. Public school. All those things are anti-Christ because they're based on the rule of force and violence. Forcing your neighbor to pay taxes so that you can have a school. And you say, well, I had to pay them, so now I get to enjoy that. No, you're not forgiving. You don't get to sin because you don't want to forgive the fact that other people took from you. The reason they can take from you is because your parents were slothful in the ways of God and they ended up under tribute. And you're under tribute. You're born in the bondage of Egypt. Forgive them. Forgive your parents. Forgive the government. Pay the unrighteous man. Be friends with the unrighteous man. But Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stop taking, seek a community that isn't going to require that you take from your neighbor in order to educate your children, raise your children, keep your children healthy, keep yourself healthy, take care of your uh, wife. If Whatever you die, who's your wife going to go to? She's only got the government to go to. If she goes to church, they're just going to give her a list of Government agencies. They're not going to take her in and help her get back on her feet and help you raise your kids. I mean, what if you just get sick and you can't work anymore? Or what if there are no more jobs? Maybe all the business, maybe the economy. That was one of the things that I was looking at in this history, in, in the review of things. Is that, uh, you know, we see way back on February 16th, Apple refuses to comply with a California judge to, who was ordering them to uh, assist the FBI and, you know, Figuring out the the you know breaking the code in a phone or a computer, that's all part of the Snowden thing that's been kind of going on. You know this surveillance and everything, but actually Apple was doing it because it cost them a lot of money to do it, and they didn't want to just be doing it for free. So they took a little bit of a stand, but somebody else did it for them. But anyway, we had the whole WikiLeaks thing coming out on July 22nd. 20,000 emails of the Democratic National Committee. And and they're all saying, well, the Russians helped them. And this is terrible. They're not talking about the fact of what was in those documents. (laughs) Or what about... You know, on a- a- April 3rd, we had the Panama Papers come out. I didn't hardly even remember that. I didn't know anything about it. 11 million documents that show that uh, uh, that a law firm in Panama had been uh, creating dummy and shell corporations in order to amass millions and billions of dollars to influence uh, the global economy and governments and all this kind of stuff for for uh, decades. 
And these are just the things that come out. I mean, there's worse things than this going on all over the place, and you won't even hear about them. These are the things that even the media couldn't cover up. But what's happening is the mindset of the people is shifting. And we saw that with the election. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying it's shifting for good. Because even most of the people that were voting for Trump were often voting for Trump for the wrong reason. Because they were angry at the system. They were angry at the corruption. Well, people are angry at corruption when they elected Saul. But Saul electing Saul was a rejection of God. Saul was a good guy. I don't know if Trump's a good guy or not. He might be kind of a good guy. I mean, certainly has a shaded past. But it probably, it, it, I haven't seen anything in his past as bad as the people that are now in office. <laughs> so, so, but the point is, is that you're giving him power. It corrupted Saul. It's probably going to corrupt him. The only one it didn't corrupt was Jesus. But you don't seem to want to do what Jesus said. There's a huge backlash against church now. People don't, oh, we don't want church. We don't need a church. We don't need ministers to exercise authority. Well, the ministers aren't supposed to be exercising authority. Don't mistake the church established by Christ by the church that you see out there. I was telling you that Constantine was changing the way that the public welfare was taken care of in Rome. It had been taken care of by public religion. Supported by men going way back to Augustus Caesar. Even, you can even go back farther than Augustus Caesar. I mean, half of the government dole was paid for out of the personal pocket of Augustus Caesar in Rome. Out of his personal pocket. Because they were still donating. You know, I talked to people this week about public school. You know, public education was... Uh, providing a minority of the education in the early 1900s in America. Most people were educated outside of public education. But even then, local public schools were often entirely paid for by local people. They built them. They bought the lumber. They donated the land. They hired the teacher. They uh, housed the teacher out of their own pocket. There was some public assistance so that no tuition had to be charged, but in local areas, no tuition was charged because the people coughed up the money. I gave the example that in World War One, they needed mechanized ambulance corps. They needed 2,000 ambulances and 4,000 drivers. And so they got them. You know how they got them? They taxed the people and get them? No. Private donations. The ambulance corps in World War One, which included one of the drivers was... Uh, 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 Walt Disney. <laughs> it's one of the drivers. <laughs> uh, it was paid for by private donations. All it paid for by private donations. We don't even think in those terms anymore. That's a mental shift of society. We don't think like we used to think. You're not going to be free. You're not going to be saved unless you repent. Saying you love Jesus is not repenting. Saying you accept Jesus is not repenting. It may be a slight change. You know, it's like, kind of like a B-52 kind of banking around. But you haven't really repented and started taking steps like prodigal son in the other direction until you gather together in the name of Christ. And you're not gathering in the, together in the name of Christ until you gather with people 
and sacrifice like Christ sacrificed. Serve others like Christ served others. And of course, the people who say, oh, we don't need a church. Well, evidently, you disagree with Christ because Christ thought you did need a church because he appointed a church. Now, I will agree that the word church there comes from ecclesia. And ecclesia actually means called out, but it means specifically a called out assembly. In other words, the apostles who were the original ministers or priests or whatever you want to call them of the kingdom, the little flock, and then the 120 in the upper room, and then the thousands who became the ministers of the church as thousands were baptized. Thousands of Jews. People say, oh, the Jews didn't accept Jesus. Yeah, they did. Some Jews didn't. Some Jews did. Pentecost, we see thousands of Jews accepting Jesus as what? The king. Getting the baptism. Getting cast out of the social welfare system of Judea. And even leaving the social welfare system of Rome, which is why Romans were and Jews were... uh, persecuted is because they wouldn't join the public religion of the state. The social welfare system of the state. They joined the private social welfare system called the church, which was composed of men who were not a part of the state, were separate from the state. And he tells you how to stay separate from the state. Moses told them how to do it. Jesus told them. And it's the same way. And we explain this in our books and stuff. And articles. But they were taking care of all that social welfare. Now, all of a sudden, Constantine says, you know, I can't keep up the army and keep taking care of the social welfare. And besides, we need to have a social welfare that uses discretion. Is it that you can't work or is it that you're just too lazy to work? Is it because you're selfish or because you're suffering and you have a need that you you can't, you need help? Well, he was going to turn that over to private religion. That's all he was doing. He wasn't creating the Church of Jesus Christ. He was he was turning social welfare over to private religion. Now he jump started with millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of silver, and and uh, I mean we have a whole list of things that he gave this church that he was creating. He says you guys got to do it like the Christians, through faith, hope, and charity. And now the power was in the hands of the people to pick who would be their ministers and minister their social welfare. Because the social welfare of Rome, the social welfare of the Pharisees, the social welfare of Herod made the word of God to none effect. It was should have been for their welfare, but it was a snare. And you know, I'm quoting Paul here, quoting Jesus here, quoting Peter. Because of your covetous practice, you'll be made merchandise. That's the snare. You want to be free? You have to gather with other people in a congregation and donate, sacrifice, time, money, resources on a regular basis. And God will do the accounting. Now, I'm not saying you have to give to me. You pick your ministers. Not I happen to be one of the few guys that are actually preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I can't find... I I hope to God there are more out there. But I can't find them. I've burned a lot of oil over the years trying to find them. But I'm trying to find them for your sake. To raise the dead. To give breathe life back into zombies. That's what you saw coming out on the streets. People that were upset... Because they, their candidate didn't win. 
And, I mean, you know, over and over again, I kept hearing this, and it would, it would just ring in my ears that this is important. When people said, when Donald Trump was running for election, and uh, people wouldn't say, he'll never be elected. I very seldom heard that. What they said is, he would never sit in the White House. Every time I, 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 it sounded funny. There was something about hearing that over and over again. I shudder to think that somebody's going to assassinate him before he takes office. And I don't want to see anybody get assassinated. I don't want to see those people stabbed in the streets or cops shot or cops shoot other people. I don't want to see people killing each other. Because that's tipping the teeter-totter towards hell. Every time we do that kind of stuff. Every time we condone that. Every time that comes out of your mouth. And we heard it. So many people saying that kind of stuff. The Bible tells you, do not bite one another, lest ye be devoured. Do not kill one another. What you sow, you shall reap. We've been sowing murder and mayhem around the world. And it's going to come back upon us with a vengeance. And I could go into a lot of the stuff that I see there. You know, there's a lot of prophecies in Ezekiel. And we're probably not going to have time to go through all those prophecies. You know, I, I happen to notice one of the things they had listed there is the Gothard-based uh, tunnel. Which is the longest and deepest railway tunnel uh, as a result of the last uh, two decades of construction work. But this ability now, which used to be considered a conspiracy theory of of these machines that bore these tunnels underground. And now there's a vast network of these tunnels all over the country, all over the world. And they have huge amounts of stuff stored in them. Not for me. <laughs> uh, but for their buddies. And, uh, you know, I know people who work for FEMA. I know people who... Uh, are in, in these institutions. And they're preparing. But they're not preparing for you. As, as a matter of fact, they're preparing for most of the people of the world to die. And then they're preparing to come back out again and rule the world. Now the prophecy is is that they will hide in their dens when all this calamity is taking place. But you need to hide in Jesus Christ. You need to hide in the ways of Christ. You need to come together with the Spirit of Christ. You need to clean out every corner of your temple. Stop being selfish. Stop thinking about saving yourself. That's why I don't dwell on all the bad things that are coming. Start thinking about saving others. Okay, maybe your children, maybe your grandchildren. But not. don't stop there. Don't just love those that love you. Love those who really love Christ. And how do you know who really loves Christ? Who is coming in His name? Who is coming to serve? Who is coming to lay down their life for others? Lay down. I don't want you to go out and throw yourself on, you know, a stake or something. But if you won't even lay down a small donation to a minister of your choice who is striving to create the entire social welfare for a network of people who love their neighbor as themselves, who care about 
your rights, your right to property, your life, and the life of your children and grandchildren as much as they care about your own. I don't want to tell the stories. I got actually I have several stories about how people a generation later, sometimes three generations later, are still serving the descendants of a family when they were in need because of what somebody did a generation or more before. That's that is the kingdom of heaven from generation to generation. Instead, we see generation after generation taking bite, bites out of their neighbor taking bigger and bigger bites out of their neighbor, wanting more and more benefits, pay for my college, pay for, you know, I should have a, everybody should be guaranteed a minimum, not wage, but a minimum life support payment so that they can live in shelters and live in, you know, comfort and everything, even if they do not want to work, even if they do not want to be moral, even if they do not want to take care of their children. It's astounding. That's the mindset that we see taking over the hearts and minds of the people. That's notable. What we saw this year, not the election of Trump, who's going to make America great, who cannot make America great. Only if people repent in America can they make it great. And and repent of what? Coveting their neighbor's goods. The covetous practices of socialism. They have to repent of that. That means they have to work together to make sure that everybody gets their kids out of public school. Everybody takes care of their parents, takes care of their sick, takes care of their invalid. Not a little bit, but all the way. Now, I know that that seems impossible now. It will take a miracle. But the God I serve is in the miracle business. But you've got to turn around. And start walking the other way. You, The prodigal son had to get off his rear and head back home with a servant's heart. That's what you have to do. And you have to gather together so that you can practice pure religion. So you can practice being unselfish. So you can practice being forgiving. So those charitable practices becomes a way of your life. It was the way of Christ's life. It was the way of the early church's life. It just hasn't been the way of your life. We're going to talk more about this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what can we do about this? This shifting of the minds of the world. The fact is, is that you can't do anything about their choice of shifting to thinking like the beast. 
because that's how the beast is created is it has thousands of little corpuscles people who become beast-like in their spirit and that spirit of taking a bite out of one another of being selfish dwells in them and they cannot see themselves as selfish they will they will call you selfish because you don't want to be a socialist they think socialism is being unselfish giving to them and you'll see this in their vocabulary and in in their, what they say is that well people owe it to me they should give it to me they're rich they should pay for me i've heard this over and over again and and they you say but why do they owe you well cuz i don't have much so you have a right to what they earn because you don't work yeah <laughs> you're going like I mean, it'll make your head spin if you try to make sense out of a dead man. They're dead. They're dead to the truth. They don't want to know the truth. They are not interested in the truth. Now, many of you have been fooled. Many of you have been deceived. We were warned not to let people deceive us, but you have. And you think you're a Christian, and you are not Christians. Because you are not following Christ. A Christian is someone who follows Christ. we got people who say, Oh, I'm not a Christian. A Christian was... That's a derogatory word and everything. Yeah, you are a Christian. You're a modern Christian. <laughs> because you don't, you're not doing what Christ said. This has been the theme of the Bible from the beginning. Actually, it even goes back to Adam and Eve, but if you just start at Abraham, Abraham left Ur, which was a socialist state. And he got out of the nativity of his father, who you know, his father went and started Haran, which was another socialist state. It wasn't real bad, but it was still socialism. And God says, it's not that you were in Haran or in Ur. It's that you are not following my ways. And he went out and he started following his ways and he built altars. People contributed to those altars. And those altars were a gathering of men, not stones. That's an allegory. And the sacrifices of those men and of the people upon given to those men, the reins of control of their sacrifice was given to the stones of their altar, which was a council of men, though and given to them on an individual basis. So you you gave to the man you thought was most charitable, that was most diligent in the operation of charity, and he got together with other men and he shared with them, so that whenever there was a need in the nation for aid, a fire, a flood, a famine, or a robbery, or illness on an individual basis, or on a community basis, or on a whole national basis, they were the system of social welfare. They were the FEMA, the Faith Emergency Ministry Auxiliary. Abraham did that. He set up that altar. Armies came through, and the charitable altars turned into an army overnight that defeated the enemy. Moses did this. Although we have a clear view of Moses, we still have a distorted view because we look at the Old Testament through the eyes of the Pharisees who got it wrong. They twisted the words. And if you don't believe me now, fine. If you want to find out the truth, go read the free articles, free books, the free, uh, listen to the free audios online because we go through it step by step. Moses was creating a system of social welfare that operated by free will offerings. That's what he was doing. And when they were attacked, 
the same network that provided charity for the community that bound people together by free will offerings, which we call charity, given in love, became the militia and defended the community from marauders and to the point where almost nobody even tried to attack them. And, and other people, because of the sacrifice of the red heifer, which had nothing to do with a heifer or the color red, and we explain that in an article too, people wanted Israelites to live next to them because they knew they wouldn't be attacked by the Israelites. And they knew nobody was going to cross the Israelite nation <laughs> with an army to attack them. So that side was safe. And because the Israelites had the sacrifice of the red heifer. Born aid. John the Baptist said, Don't take anything by force, but share through faith, hope, and charity. Share food, share shelter, share clothing, whatever is needed. Jesus said the same. The early church actually did it. So much that the Romans became jealous because their public welfare their public religion was not working. Christians are seen. The church, appointed by Christ, appoint men over the business of a daily ministration because widows and orphans were being neglected. The needy of their society was being neglected. They were organized. Your church makes sure that the, the widows and orphans are not neglected by sending them to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And you point that out and they say, but God created government. No, you created the government. The spirit in you, the spirit of selfishness. You're slothful in the ways of Christ. You are under tribute. You are back in the bondage of Egypt and it's worse with you. You are the dog that returned to the vomit. But you got really great music at church. But you're losing your children. The book Covenants of the Gods has the Pied Piper on the cover because... Because of your contracts that you cannot pay back. You don't have the funds to pay back. You're a surety for that debt. They can take your children. And they are taking your children now. They're taking their minds. And they will take their bodies. And they will take their life. Because you're serving the God of death, you zombies. Now repent. Start gathering together. Get on... And join the network. Form congregations. Don't just sit on an email group. Form congregations that care about one another. Practice the charitable practice. We we already know you know how to practice the covetous practices. And simply getting out of the system is not getting into the kingdom. As a matter of fact, that's just being unfriendly with the unrighteous mammon. The fact is the governments of the world do a better job of taking care of the needy than you do. A little token charity now and then... Is not going to cut it. It may be a start, but it's not going to cut it. You know, five bucks here, twenty bucks there. That that isn't it. You have to realize that, you know, you got to be the government of God. You get to choose your minister. You get to rebuke your minister if you don't think he's doing a good job. But you got to seek the kingdom. And that road's going to get narrower and narrower and narrower. So you need a system of Corbin that is of Christ. Not You've got one that is of the Pharisees and of Rome. Now, in order to help you, we've, we've created numerous websites. 
there's been over 250 changes on the Preparing You website in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've had almost 3 million visitors on that website alone, views of pages on that website alone. Now, that's a statistic that comes off the thing. As a matter of fact, there's over 1,500 since late last night. I, I gathered the, the figure yesterday and uh, I just went and checked during the break and there's been another 1,500 views since then. We need a lot more. We need teams of people working and the only way to do that is they have to take time away from their family and their livelihood and everything and they're willing to do that to do that. But if you want this to become efficient and and grow, you need to actually... I mean, we paid out thousands and thousands of dollars of medical bills. We have reduced medical bills down to the uh, learning how to negotiate uh, by thousands and thousands and I don't, I don't even know how much. And and the hospitals were glad to negotiate with us. They were happy. They were thanking us. You know, if if your insurance company saves money, he's not going to save you money. He's going to save money for the insurance company. We save money for you. Not only that, but we can come up with many remedies, alternatives that are cheaper, safer, faster, better. And we can we can only show you, share with you. Had people here just this week. Looking for a solution. And we think that somebody has gone through the same problem he's gone through before. And I had kind of lost contact with that individual because he did not join our congregation. Uh, you know, he, he sits on the internet, but he doesn't join our congregation. Well, I found him this morning. And so I located that guy. And now I can put those two people in touch. Because the, the older guy has gone through the same thing the younger guy is needing to go through. And they may be of assistance to each other. So we can facilitate helping people help one another. And you can only do that if you network. And you can only do that if you network with people who care about your rights, your property, your family, your children, your grandchildren, as much as they care about their own. And when you practice that, you you clean the temple. Now, you also have to do some looking into your own heart and into your own soul. Cleaning out the corners of that temple. Every one of you have dark corners to your temple. Your Holy Spirit temple. You. That you don't want to look at. you got traumas. We help unite somebody back to their family and now they're almost estranged again from their family. Because... You know, somebody was talking about this just the other day. And uh, I was looking at the time. Do I have time to t- tell you about And we've talked about this in our epigenetic series. And, uh, and you know, a series on DNA and all this stuff. The, the DNA actually records your personality in the DNA. And in the cell itself. In the epigenetic. You know, what your personality is what you think, what you believe. It's not the technical thing like you say, well, I believe that his name is Yeshua. I believe his name is Yahweh. I believe, you know, it. your your epigenetic doesn't necessarily hear pronunciation. <laughs> when you say these words, these are just the symbols of ideas. Those ideas are precepts. Your body records your precepts. This is how the sins of the Father are visited upon the sons. Because in your father's DNA, the, the, that's recorded. It's not 
recorded necessarily mechanically in the DNA, but in the substance, the epigenetic substance that surrounds the DNA. And, and you know, you can go through the whole thing. I mean, it gets very confusing. It's great campfire talk. It doesn't. It really isn't confusing. It's actually very simple. Is the fact is is that you're spiritually connected to your father, even if your father never raised you. I talked to somebody who was talking about, you know, fathers abandoning their daughters and sons in many countries. They just don't raise them because it's a socialist country, and you know the government will take care of them. I don't need to be there. I already did the fun part, and uh, you know they they find out they have a daughter years later, and they say, "Would you like to meet your daughter?" No. Why? What for? No sense of family. That spirit can be passed down to your your son and your daughter. Now, if they're forgiving and repentant, they can overcome that. Every generation has a chance. The the sins of the father are only visited upon and the mother are only visited upon their children. They're not condemned to it. I'm talking to somebody again the other day. The the daughter is becoming just like the mother. Mother isn't around, but they're becoming like him. That like they're invisibly linked. Well, they are. Because the DNA in your body, the the pattern repeated millions and millions and millions and millions of times in every cell of your body is like a sending and receiving antenna. And you're picking up what's in the heart of your father and your mother. If your father and mother were to repent, light would come in where darkness once remained. And they would do more by letting that light into their own heart for their children than all the tea in China. By the same token, if a child awakens and lets the light in and sees the weakness in himself and overcomes that with the light of God, he can't overcome it on his own. This is You are addicted to sin. You are addicted to the aid from men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. You are addicted to selfishness. You need to break that addiction. And the only way to do that is realize that there is something higher than you that has a complete spirit that is, is selfishness is a is a vacuum, and nature abhor, abhors a vacuum. It's going to fill that vacuum with something. You got to let the light of God in. You can't do that if you block the door with unforgiveness. If you block the door with selfishness, unforgiveness allows you to be unselfish, and unselfishness allows you to come to the next place where you need to learn to forgive. And the more light you let into your own heart, and I say let in, you're not generating this light. You're allowing it to take place because you're willing to see the darkness that now remains. When you let that light in and you act upon that light and you begin to forgive and give like Christ came to forgive and give, more light can come in. And then you come to the next layer. Whether daughter and son or mother and father or grandfather and grandmother, the more you let that light in, the more you will help the other members of your family. And the more you will help your neighbor. Because you're bringing light into the room. You're bringing consciousness where there was unconsciousness. You're bringing life where there was death. 
And what I see is large sections of the population are becoming predominant and dead. And the zombies rule the streets. They march down the streets, break windows, tip over cars, burn down their own neighborhoods. That's that's the dramatic thing where we can see on the 6 o'clock news. In the meanwhile, they are killing their children. They are cursing their children with their unforgiveness, their selfishness, their arrogance, their darkness. Darkness rules the land when darkness rules the heart of the people upon the land. The people are made of dirt. You're all living dirt. And what this, the spirit that you let in you creates the world around you. I read the story of uh, supposed St. Nicholas who was at sea. He wasn't St. Nicholas then. He was just Nicholas. And uh, there was a storm all around and everything. And he prayed and the storm stopped. And people attributed the fact that the storm stopped to him. And maybe it was. We see Christ had done the same thing. And he later became the head of the local church of the town he was headed to. And and he prayed many times and miracles seemed to happen, supposedly. That's the report. I don't know if it's true or not. I know that miracles are true. I just don't know with him. But he calmed the storm by the calmness in his own heart. Are you contributing to the storm that is coming? Or are you calming it so it won't be around you? The fact is, in many places, people will have to escape. It will get so bad. They will have to flee. There will be a movement of people, large movements of people. And they'll have to go somewhere else. It will be so bad in some areas. You will have to become... Early Christians had to do it. I can only assume that we will have to do it. Where are you going to go? Who would receive you? Who would open the door to you? Because you know the foolish virgins were shut out. They were not let in. The foolish virgins didn't have the oil. They didn't have the anointing. Where does the oil and anointing come from? It comes from God. How do you get that anointing? You do the will of the Father. And the Father will anoint you. Each of us should be anointed. Full of oil. Our lamps are burning bright with oil. You can't light a wet wick. The And, and if you will not forgive, if you will not start giving, you will have no oil. And you will not, you can knock and knock and knock and the Lord will not let you in. You won't even know where to go. Because you have chosen blindness. You've chosen darkness and the ways of darkness over the ways of righteousness. Seeking the kingdom of God only works if you're seeking the righteousness of God. It isn't righteous to covet your neighbor's goods. But it's also not righteous to fail to love your neighbor. It is not enough to come out of this system. One must seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And that requires the character of Christ. And the character of Christ by default is sacrifice. You won't look like you're sacrificing to you. You you know, when you take care of your children, the mother isn't sitting there, well, I'm sacrificing my time to change her diaper. She's changing her diaper because she loves her child. 
She cares about her child. It's just in her. She's not even thinking about it. It's like the guys, you know, you always hear about the guy who's the hero, jumps in the raging rapids and saves the child or whatever, you know. And people says, well, what were you thinking? I was such a heroic. Well, it wasn't heroic. I had to do it. I mean, it, it just it was in his nature. You don't think of it as sacrifice. You just do it. You know, I, I'm astounded at the lack of understanding in people when I go on Facebook and places like that and these social media deals and you listen, even our own network, and they just don't see it. If you want your eyes opened, you must open your compassionate eyes first. And it is not compassion to give $50 to a wino every morning or $20 or $10 to a wino every morning and let him go out and drink booze until he's unconscious. That's not compassion. Somebody did a social experiment. I've got very little time to tell you, but they had somebody sitting on the side of the road with a sign that said, I need money for drugs. And cigarettes or alcohol. I mean, several things he had on the list. I didn't read the actual list. People were filling his cup with money. People giving him money. Giving him money. When he sat on the side of the road with a small child with her her head in his lap and said he needed help. And the girl would cough now and then. (coughs) And uh, nobody gave him money. They just kept walking by. Just kept walking by. And finally, somebody who had no job, lived on the streets, had almost no money, took what money they had just recently obtained or earned, and they gave it to him. You know, this is why there's a parable about the widow's might. You know, how well off are you? How much could you give? As selfish as you are, so expect the same from God. How? Where is faith? Now, giving, who do you give to? You need to give to people who are actually doing the job. And that's hard to find, people who are doing the job. <laughs> I'm looking for them all the time. But people are so distracted. They carry so much baggage. Well, that's where forgiveness comes in. I forgive them their baggage. And I pray that they wake up and start walking the walk. I see minister after minister talking the talk. They don't really talk the whole kingdom. They talk, yeah, we're supposed to love one another, but they don't describe what that looks like. They send the people home to collect money from men who call themselves benefactors. They don't put together a social welfare system that is entirely dependent upon charity. Like Abraham, Moses, John the Baptist, and Jesus Christ in the early church. They're not doing that. They're just thinking a thought. Not enough. Till then, peace upon your house and may God be with you. God bless.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.